Welcome to the Fam Lab. We are so glad that you are back with us for another episode of Encouraging Content. This week we're going to be having a special conversation with Daniel Moreno. Daniel is the Director of Ministry Relations for Johnny and Friends Texas. We're really blessed by the work that Daniel does for the church and helps the church to think about families and individuals that are affected by disability in a healthy and theological way. So we're glad to have Daniel with us on the podcast. Daniel is a graduate of Dallas Baptist University with a BA in psychology, and he brings a lot of depth and wisdom to this conversation. So he'll be joined by Tiffany and Rosalind in the Fam Lab. So let's listen to this conversation. Hi, good morning, Daniel. Um, We are so thankful that you are here with us. Today, we have Daniel Moreno joining us from Johnny and Friends, and Rosalind and I had the pleasure of meeting him over the summer at a Special Needs Connect event, and he works for an organization that does a lot to help support churches and ministries involved with special needs. So Daniel, just to start us off, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me on board. I, I'm really excited to get to have a conversation with y'all. This is one of my favorite things that I get to do is connect with different churches and organizations. Um, so be able to talk about disability in this, in this platform this is a real fun thing for me. Um, yeah, my name is Daniel Moreno. I'm the Ministry Relations Manager uh, for Johnny and Friends Texas. Um, and my role is really twofold. Uh, my uh, primary responsibility is to help train churches and develop churches, help churches develop disability ministries. Um, and so we have a plethora of resources at Johnny and Friends that is is all for free for the local church to use to help develop disability ministries. And so I provide mentoring and coaching, um, and it's something that I really, really get to enjoy doing. Ultimately, it's advocacy for individuals and families impacted by disability within the walls of their own church. Um, and so that's really fun. I love to get to do that. And then secondly, um, my role is to help build strategic partnerships um, with nonprofit organizations, disability providers, um, and government agencies so we can provide resourcing for those churches that are doing ministry to families. Um, and so there's there's a, a lot of my time spent getting to have conversations with people and that's and I, and I really get to enjoy, I enjoy that doing that. I'm also married, uh, I've been married for five years and I have a little boy named Mateo and we have, uh, where Rex, my wife is expecting um, on December 2nd. And so, oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, we're really excited. Oh, well, that is exciting. Well, we're so grateful for the work you do. It's something that's very meaningful. And I know a lot of families and individuals and churches who are faced with special needs. Um, it can be isolating and, and so great to have support through an organization like yours. Um, do you have a personal connection to someone with disabilities or did something lead you to this work? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so it's so funny when I was going through my interview process, I, I am connected to disability. Um, but the first person I thought of was my brother-in-law. Um, he has a condition called Frederick's ataxia, um, which is very, very similar to muscular dystrophy, but it's something that attacks the nervous system. Um, and so he's been in a wheelchair for a lot of his adult life. Um, and I love him very, very dearly. Um, and so when I was going through my interview process with Johnny and friends, that was the first thing that popped in my mind. It wasn't until later that it really hit me that I am also attached to disability in a different way. Uh, when I was in third grade, my dad was in an accident 
in which he was um, uh, working in a warehouse and his foot was actually run over by a forklift. Um, He almost lost his foot. Doctors told him that he was never going to get the opportunity to uh, walk again um, using that foot. Um, But by God's sovereign grace and through his work, through the physicians, they were able to save his foot. And now we play softball together every Thursday. Um, And I think that's the Lord's provision. And so it's just so funny that as a child of someone affected by disability, it's become such a normal part of my everyday life to see my dad walking away. Uh, in which if any any person would have seen him, they would not know that he most of his life is affected by pain from his disability that he experiences. And so um, and that's that's another way in which I'm connected to disability. Well, and I think when most of us stop and think about it, we probably are in some way, whether it's somebody in our immediate family or extended family or our circle of friends, most of us are in some way impacted by individuals with disabilities. So knowing yeah. that, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. You know, I think the statistics, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, you know, the statistics show that disability is, at, there is a huge uh, evidence for individuals impacted by disability, whether that's invisible or visible in our society and around the world. And so if most of us were to really sit down and think about it, we, we, we uh, most people know of someone that has a disability. And yet sometimes it's just not a part of our common everyday thought process to, to see and seek out those people and to care for them in the way they Absolutely. Um, when we consider that and what a, a, a big issue it is, how many people are impacted by disability, why is it such an important um, thing to consider in the church? How, how should the church be viewing individuals with disabilities and, and what are the implications you know, for supporting or not supporting individuals with disability within the church? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think as believers, um, we will acknowledge um, two, two important things. First, that all humans are created in the image of God, right? In the Imago mm-hmm. Dei. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's really easy on a Sunday morning or on a, on a midweek Bible study to sit in a room with other believers and open God's word and acknowledge that very truth that's found in Genesis, right? Um, it's also... It, really easy to acknowledge that disability is as part of God's sovereign purpose. Um, if you're a believer and you believe in a sovereign God, that it's it's acknowledging that we believe in someone who knew the foundation of the world, uh, who we were all growing, going to be when we were born, right? Um, and so it's very easy to acknowledge those things. It's, it's different. It's a different thing to acknowledge and act upon. Um, and so as believers and as, as the body of Christ, uh, it's so important that, that we look and evaluate our ministries to see if those, if each and every aspect of our ministries are accessible or inaccessible, or if we're in, working in a state of inclusion or exclusion. And, and ultimately what we're talking about here is when we miss out and exclude people impacted by disabilities in our churches, we are missing out on different attributes of God. Um, and uh, each and every single one of us, you know, uh, we we experience the Lord and his character and we cling on to different aspects of his character. You know, so so for me, um, I, I feel and cling on to God's justice. There is just something about God's justice that draws me closer to him. 
you know, Tiffany, for you, it may be God's love or his mercy. And, and so when, when, if I were to not interact with you as a believer and to, in fact, exclude you, I would be missing out on the way that you see and experience God's love and how you bring that to me and to my family, you know? And so I think that as a, as, as a body of Christ, when we exclude people, we are actually excluding those different attributes of God. Wow. That's oh, really a powerful way to look at it. I think sometimes when we think about disability, we only think about the challenge and the hardship. And when we really look at it in that light as an opportunity to view the character of God, that's a great uh, mind shift in such a, a healthier way, I think, to consider it. Yeah. You know, I didn't I, I really think of, a, of an experience that I had actually not long ago. Um, as an organization, we have what we call uh, family retreats. And so in Texas, we host three weeks of family retreat. And this is where we bring in volunteers and we actually serve the whole family impacted by disability. And so this year I had the opportunity to get paired with a young man. He was 18. Um, he has, he's, he has autism. And, um, it's so funny because, you know, different individuals experience different, um, have different, uh, forms or different, uh, features or characteristics that they bring um, when they're impacted by different disabilities, right? So you've never seen two any two individuals this with autism are are not alike, right? They're very different, right. just like we all are. And so this young man, um, when I was paired with them this summer, we, we just had so much fun. We got to go, you know, fishing and swimming and we got to go to a Bible study and we got to go to worship. But what was really interesting about my experience with him is he he is such a sweet young man. Um, but whenever he would get excited and he was in a moment where he was just like loved what we were doing, he would grab my hand like a waffle mm -hmm. style and he would hold my hand so tight and then he would put it up against his chin and he would just like put so much pressure not mm -hmm. to hurt me in any way. For him, that was his way of expressing love and joy. Um, and as an adult man, right, um, in, in American society, in American culture, men don't necessarily experience that kind of physical affection with anyone outside of their immediate family. Right. Um, and so for me to be, uh, getting the opportunity to be alongside this young man or for just to experience that form of love, but then also joy just really stuck out to me. And that was something that I really walked away with like, wow, how beautiful it was to experience that moment with that boy. Well, it's so crazy is not, not too, too long after, maybe a couple of months afterwards. Um, we, my wife and I were at church and we lead our new, newlywed, newlywed class. And so we were, um, we had this experience with this elderly man. He's a woodworker. He's in his late eighties and he carved these crosses that he wanted to donate to the different couples in our class as a, it, it was his form uh -huh. of ministry. It was really sweet, really sweet. Um, but, uh, he and I, afterwards, I gathered our class together with him after church and we just circled around him and we prayed for him. But what was so interesting mm -hmm. was in that moment when we were circling around him, he hooked his arm as mine and my in my and he held my hand so tight. And in that moment, what I was reminded of is the physical love and joy that I experienced with the young man I was with back. Then. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just two moments, right? Where like I that's what it took me back to. And I was like, this is love, this is joy, this is care. This is what the Lord is showing me in this moment through these two individuals. One um, an individual affected by disability and another 
an elderly man uh, getting ready to, as scripture says, you know, uh, he's working to finish the race well. And so in those two moments, I was reminded of God's characteristic of love and joy. That's, well, that's a beautiful story. Just so beautiful. And I just want to say thank you again for being here. Thank you for the time that you've already spent with Tiffany and I and our ministry team to try to help us mm-hmm. figure out what some of our blind spots are when we mm-hmm. come to serving and uh, the church as a whole. So cool. I just really appreciate you so much. Um Give question what would you tell someone maybe from a smaller congregation who feels like their church is unaffected by disability yeah you know i think this is a really really important question um and i'm going to throw a couple stats at you guys and i think that this is they were eye-opening to me when i heard these stats and so the cdc says that one in six children under the age of 18 are impacted by disability. That's 17% of the population under the age of 18. Over the age of 18, so for adults over the age of 18, that statistic becomes one in four. That's 25% of the adult population in the US that are affected by disability. Um, There's another, uh, there's an individual named uh, Dr. Aaron Carter, formerly out of Vanderbilt University, currently um, working at, at Baylor University and has done a lot of research in regards to disability in the church. And something that he says that I think is, is I think this shows the more, the, is a little bit more drastic in nature in terms of the statistic. What he has found is that one in three households in the United States are individuals affected by disability. One in three households. So what does that mean? I think that what that means is that disability is existent within each and every single one of our churches. Um, and, and I think that some people are like, well, Daniel, you don't know my church. What I would say back is, you know, the reality is that there's two different types of disabilities. And, and what I mean by that is there's a, a overarching umbrella, right? And there is a lot that falls in within that umbrella. How I would characterize it is I think that in two ways. Um, there's invisible disabilities and there's visible disabilities. Mm-hmm. So a invisible disability would be someone like my dad. Most of the people that interact with my dad at church would never know unless he were to take off his shoe and take off his sock that you would see what his foot looked like. He's like any other individual walking around. Um, mm-hmm. He is an individual, an example of an individual with a invisible disability. Another example of that would be someone with with autism uh, that's a little bit more high functioning. Some individuals you would look at uh, while while you're walking down the street and you would never know that they're an individual that is that that has autism. Um, You know, those those are examples of invisible disabilities. Uh, An example of a visible disability would be someone that maybe has been in an accident or was born with a a spinal cord injury, spinal cord injury or disability. And so they're in a wheelchair. Right, and they don't have the ability to walk with two feet or on two legs, and so that would be an example of someone with a visible disability. Um, and and I and then I guess another another example of that would be some some individuals with, with Down syndrome are born and they have different features about them um, physically that that you can see that they're an individual with with a disability um, with an intellectual disability, and so uh, there is. 
with that individual that says, well, Daniel, you know, I, I don't necessarily see disability within my church. You know, I would challenge that to say that the statistics don't say that. And if you truly are adamant about that, you know, I would say that it's worth having a conversation with families and, and church leaders to see, well, let's let's see who are individuals within our church that struggle with. Maybe it's a mental disability like uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome, right? Um, in, or individuals that have come back from war. Um, that's another area of ministry that we have at Johnny and Friends that we mm-hmm. that we have built a ministry to support is, is veterans, wounded veterans and their families. And so there are just so many, so many um, ways in which I would I would challenge that sentiment. Um, and and I think that a lot of what the church really needs to do is sit down and, and self evaluate to learn. You know, well, what does what does a disability mean? Is it just mean a wheelchair? Does it just mean autism? And I think that they'd be surprised to say that that answer is no. Absolutely, it's such a broad category, and I think that's one of the things that makes it at times a challenging ministry to provide because from person to person, their needs may be vastly different. And I also have found as a mother of a child with special needs, you know, we visited a lot of churches and there were several churches that told us that they did not have members or did not have other children with special needs. And I also, (laughs) it just makes me wonder, you know, is it because you're not aware and they are there or are they not coming because there's not a place for them? And I think that's an important thing for churches to consider. Do people feel like there's a place for them within your church? If they show up, is there is there something for them? So kind of along those lines of people maybe having um, different perspectives on what disability looks like, are there other misconceptions that churches have, you think, about disability and how to provide services to people with disabilities? Yeah, wow, that is such a good question. You know, I think that uh, there are many misconceptions when it comes to disability. You know, I think that most individuals, when they interact with their local church, um, they they are unwilling to acknowledge barriers that exist, right? And so there there are so many barriers for individuals and families impacted by disability that that we as neuro, if you're a neurotypical individual or an individual without a physical disability, uh, then then we don't consider on our everyday day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And yet the world is not built for everyone. Um, buildings, actual physical building structures are not built. In, and in reality, I think also society in terms of the way we, we view one another also is, is not necessarily mm-hmm. built with a gospel-centered minded perspective. So there are so many, so many barriers for families. I mean, I think a couple of examples of this are, um, uh, we there, there are really two different types of barriers. There's physical barriers or there's social barriers. And so physical barriers, uh, this is actually not many people know this, but the, uh, the church is actually exempt from being ADA accessible. So for a lot of churches, their physical space is actually not accessible for individuals with maybe a physical mo- uh, uh, disability or a disability that it does not allow them to be as mobile and so for a lot of families, when they interact with the local church and maybe the youth ministry is on the second floor and they have a teenager with a physical disability that's in a wheelchair and they literally cannot access the ministry that in which they would be amongst with their peers because there is no elevator present. Or the church has an elevator and the church is and the elevator doesn't work 50% of the time, right? And so uh, that's an example of a physical disability. 
Another example of a physical, or a physical disability, another example of a physical barrier would it be, um, let's say you have an individual within the church that does have a physical disability and they're in a wheelchair or they're immobile or they don't have the ability to be as mobile, uh, yet they have a beautiful singing voice and they have a heart and a desire to help lead worship from the stage and yet their stage at their local church doesn't have a ramp in which they can access the stage. Um, you know, and so I think that that's an example of a, a wave and different ways that there are actual physical barriers. You know, another example that I had that just recently popped up, um, I was meeting with the local church and we were doing a training. And um, as we were doing this training with the church and talking about this idea of physical barriers, the pastor that, that was in the session with us realized, he was like, oh my gosh, every time I have a meeting with the individual that's kind of taking the charge of starting a disability ministry, who just so happens to have a physical disability and she's in a wheelchair, she cannot access the church office from outside the building or inside the building because in order to get into the church office, there are steps. Hmm. And so she literally cannot meet with her pastor in his office or in the, in the main office building area of the church because there are physical ba barriers that, that don't allow her to do so. You know, and I think, um, I think another aspect, and I would love to hear your perspective on this, Tiffany. I think there are also a lot of social barriers for families impacted by disability. I think the one place in which families and anyone and everyone should feel ultimately welcome within the or within the walls of the church, and yet so often that sentiment is not true. Um, so many families, when they walk in uh, to the grocery store or when they walk into a restaurant, they are immediately getting side eyes. Um, they're immediately feeling the guilt and judgment or the not guilt, but the, the judgment from society around them. And so uh, for them to uh, walk into the doors of the church and feel that very same sentiment towards them as as if they are an inconvenience to that local body, um, that that is an example of a social barrier, you know, and, and I think there are countless other examples of that. And yet. So often when the church is meant, to is, 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 is meant to act with the purpose of love, we act with the purpose of inconvenience. And, and, and instead of welcoming people, we often deny people. And, you know, I have several examples and stories of that. But um, Tiffany, I would love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I think that church is a setting that can be hard because of those social contexts and expectations. You know, you expect that you know, the people around you are going to sit quietly and still, but our family does not sit very quietly and still. And, you know, we've had to kind of adjust our expectations about what that might look like for our son. He has autism and is a big uh, sensory seeker. Sitting still and and quietly is very hard for him. He has to move and, and fidget and he jumps up and down. And luckily, everyone around us is very gracious and but it took me a long time um, to feel comfortable when he was younger. You know, you reach a point where people start to, you know, kind of question and, and maybe you get those looks when they're really young. Nobody expects a baby or a toddler to sit quietly during church. Yeah. But it's like we never really outgrew and we likely never will outgrow that stage where sitting, you know, still is hard. So it took me some adjustments. My expectations for my daughters during service is different than my expectations for my my son. I know my daughters are capable of sitting in a, a quiet, respectful way, but for my son, it's not. And so we work on that with him. We have 
you know, goals, we try to make it a little further each time, but it's just not practical for us to sit, sit still for that long. So we get up, we take walks, but it was, it was an adjustment for my husband and I to, you know, adjust our expectations. I also have gotten better about talking to the people around me. I find that most people, when they're aware, are very gracious. And so sometimes, you know, if there's a visitor near us, I'm, you know, say, you know, you might hear a little bit out of us during worship. And you know what? They usually smile and say, oh, no, that's fine. We're glad you're here, you know, or we're glad to, to hear. Or sometimes my son giggles a lot during church, which we do prefer the giggles to the squeals. But when he's giggling, most people, you know, will turn and grin. And I find that if we give people the opportunity to just be clued in on what's happening, yeah, yeah, it's hard for Cooper to sit, but but we're happy he gets to come with us. They're usually feeling the same way. Like, yeah, that's fine. So I think too, um, our level of comfort and communicating with the people around us about what what we could actually do during during service. Can we be still? Can we be quiet? No, probably not. But when yeah. people expect that, they're less likely to be startled or you know look around. Um, so I do find that that has helped is just talking with people, but there are, there's, you know, tons of social things that come up, um, in, in, uh, activities, you know, some things that we would love to do as a family, but if they're really long, we know my son just can't last that long or, uh, you know, different children's activities that are fun, but, you know, I think about his interaction with, with peers. So there are, there are always things to consider outside of just the the physical aspects of the building, but also like you're saying about your activities and your programming are the things you're offering accessible to families who, who experience life differently. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what, Carol, I think that that's, that's a hundred percent true. You know, and, and the reality is that those social barriers also come in, in the form of actual rejection from the local church. You know, I've talked with countless number of families that, um, they have actually been told by a church body that they were visiting, I'm sorry, we can't serve you here. Here are a list of four other churches in our area that have dis- that are mega churches that have disability ministries. Go there. And yet, I think sometimes the church doesn't take into consideration what that feels like for a family. And, and even myself, you know, that's not something I've experienced within the walls of the church. Um, but that's not to say I can't sympathize with those families. Uh, and I think that that's an area that the church can really grow in is in the form of sympathy. You know, I, I love that the example that you just brought up of, man, if we communicate with the people that are around us and we say, well, uh, you know, this is this, our situation. Just want to make sure you're aware. And if the church looks at that and they're able to respond and say, we, I understand and I love you and I care for you and I'm glad you're here. That's an example of sympathy and love and care, mm-hmm. right? And yet so often there are so many families that, and just as you've expressed yourself, uh, Tiff, Tiffany, you know, uh, it's 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 one thing to experience that. It's another to experience the rejection from the local church. And so I think that those those are really important examples that we have to have, have talk about um, because that's a reality for so many different families. Absolutely. And I think that um, for people in that position, often they, already feel very isolated and they're probably, you know, seeking connection and to be turned away from a church, you know, that's, that would be such an emotional thing to experience and also could have a really sad impact on their spiritual, you know, growth and their relationship with God, which would be a tragic outcome from 
a bad experience within a church. Yes, because you know you're right, but there's so like what we're talking about is eternal implications. You know, like um, are are we exemplifying the heart of Christ or are we not? Right. It's because as we talked about earlier, it's one thing to acknowledge that each man is created in the image of God. It's another thing to act upon that. And when we choose to say, well, we can't serve you here, ultimately what we're doing, we're excluding who the Lord is within that individual. And we're not taking into account what that 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 impact that it's going to have on that person. Um, you know, and, and are we drawing them to the feet of the cross or are we pushing them away? All of our resources and our mentoring is completely for free. And so we want to help the church uh make it help the church self-evaluate right it's it's ministries and and do that but you know i would say you know i think there's a couple different people audience that we're talking to if we're talking to a family that's impacted by disability you know and they're like daniel we are within the walls of our church there's not a disability ministry and we want to do something can you help us to that person i would say you're not alone you know i would say uh let's have a conversation reach out to your church staff Tell them that you know the resource that is completely for free to the local church. There is no catch to it. And what the, that what this organization wants to do is help us start a disability ministry. Um, and and I think that, and it's so interesting because it's like, well, Daniel, yes, but let's get to step two and three. But that first step is kind of scary, you know, to to reach out to your church and say, hey, this is something that, that I need. And I know that there are other families like us that need this. Um, you know, I would say to them, like, you know, take heart, know you're not alone, um, reach out to your church staff. You know, I wouldn't just start with your children's minister. I would reach out to, you know, your senior pastor and your executive pastor and also your children's minister and say that this is something that the Lord has placed on your heart. Um, and we would love to have that conversation. Let's set up a meeting. Let's talk, all of us, and, and we'll walk through our resources. We'll walk through all that stuff. And so that way you're not walking into that conversation alone. So that person, that's what I would say. It's, it starts with the conversation. Um, and, and, and I think that when, uh, as Tiffany was alluding to, right, there's so much fear and isolation already uh, that you're feeling. And so just to, to, to that person that's listening, know that you're not alone. Know that we're here for you. Know that um, we want to help you have that conversation with your church body. I would say that that's, that's something that's important. Now to the church staff member um, that's listening to this and they're like, well, I'm feeling convicted by this now. You know, our church maybe doesn't have a space for those individuals to come in and, and have a disability ministry. You know, I would say I would say to that person, you know, uh, it's important to acknowledge, um, acknowledge the lack of information, right, that, that maybe the lack of work that we have done, right? And I think that um, that's really important for the families that are already within your church and the families that are to come. Um, acknowledge that. And then let's move into the second stage, which is let's evaluate. Um, and, and not evaluate just within a single ministry, right? Uh, disability ministry or special needs ministry is not just a children's ministry. And that's really important to, to understand. Um, just like everyone else, individuals impacted by disability grow older every year. And so um, if that is true and we are willing to see that and acknowledge that, then it's important that we evaluate all our ministries and, and that all the pastors on staff or ministers on staff acknowledge that we need to create a space within our church that is both um, uh, 
that is also inclusive, but also that there's a safe space for individuals that maybe need a little bit more intimate care, um, that we would grow that within the walls of our church in every aspect, whether that is in-reach or outreach. Uh, and so uh, at, as an organization, uh, Johnny and friends, we've developed what we call the training pathways. Uh, it's four sessions. It's not a lecture. It's not a seminar. It is a a session by session conversation about where do individuals impacted by disability fit in within our own church mission statement, right? And so, uh, mm-hmm. well, the reality is that they do because every individual, if your church mission statement is to go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe and obey, then if that is your church mission statement, which is ultimately the Great Commission, uh, then those people are already included. They're, they are there. And so then what do you do after that? Well, then we self-evaluate. And so as an organization, my role is to come in and help the church have a conversation, facilitate a conversation about this. Let's look at our events. Let's look at our ministry. So let's look at our physical space. Where can we grow in this area? Um, and uh, and I think for that church staff member, I would say uh, the body goes as a head goes. So if your church is currently in a state of exclusion and the church has turned away individuals and families, um, I would say that uh, there's there's an aspect of repentance that needs to take place there before the Lord and then um, then action, which is ultimately flocking through those steps. And so that's what I would say to those people. And, and I think the other thing that's important to address here, too, is, you know, I think for some smaller church families, you know, the, the their thought goes to, well, we don't have that line item in the budget or mm-hmm. or we don't. Uh, we don't have the money to pay for someone to be over this ministry part-time, full-time, let alone part-time. You know, to that person, I would say, you know, what we've done at Johnny and Friends is actually actually developed a model of ministry in which you can lead the ministry. You solely utilize it three leader volunteers. Um, and and I think that that's important to know, you know, that um, just not having the funds, I don't think is an excuse to not do the work of ministry. Um, and so I think that that's, that's really important. So to that person, I would say that. Yeah. And I think Which that expressing, yeah, I think that expressing the intent to want to include somebody goes so far. I know when our family first started visiting, um, our church that we were approached and people just asked, what do you need? Like what, what would help this work? You know, what does your son yeah. need to be able to go to Bible class? What do y'all need to be able to go to worship? And that doesn't cost anything, you know, and having other people that are willing just to um, spend some time with your child or your family member. And, you know, it offers a little bit of respite to that family to get to go to Bible class yeah. and it helps that child feel included. And and that's may seem like a small gesture, but I think that is a huge place to start. And I think that that communicates that you want that family there. And I think that's so powerful and so meaningful to the family who who wants to belong. Yeah. You know, I think that that, wow, that is, I think that's really important to address. You brought up a word that I think is so important, which is respite. And so, um, you know, when, when the church uh, serves individuals impacted by disability, they're not just serving that person, right? They're serving the whole family. So when, when you're getting an opportunity, like, so here's an example, right? Um, I know that every Sunday when, when me and my wife arrive to church, we go in and check in and my son, we, we check him into the Sunday school. I know that I'm going to drop off my son in his class and he's going to get to do three things. He's going to eat a snack. He's going to get to participate in the craft. 
more importantly, he's going to be discipled, right? In in a way that is good for a three-year-old, he's going to be discipled. Um, and yet there are so many families like Tiffany's that they don't get that opportunity. And so uh, for, for families impacted by disability, they go to a church on a Sunday morning. They walk into the Sunday school and they drop off maybe their children that are neurotypical, right? They're the siblings mm-hmm. of the individual and they get to do that. But with them, they take their child impacted by disability. So what is not happening for that child? That child is not getting a snack, right? Which is a small thing, but ultimately not, right? He's not getting a snack. He's not getting to participate in an, an intentional craft for him. And he's not getting intentionally discipled. Um, and so what's what's happening? Well, that, that family is taking that individual with them to the Sunday school class in which they are not going to get the opportunity to participate in discipleship. They're not going to get the opportunity to sit down in a class where they're getting the opportunity to open God's word and fully focus and listen to see what the Lord has has for them. And so, um, you know, I think that, that that's really, I think it's really important for the church to acknowledge that when we serve those individuals impacted by disability, where we are intentionally discipling them, we are also not getting the opportunity to intentionally disciple their parents. And so I think that that's something that, that I think that's beautiful that you just brought up to. Yeah, I, I agree. It's It means so much to the family, to the siblings, um, just for their family to be able to participate. I actually spoke with a, a family yesterday who they haven't been in church in a long time because mm-hmm. a disability was keeping them from going. They didn't feel that um, their child could go to a class setting or to a worship setting. And she just expressed how she longed to worship with other believers and to make connections. Okay. And so... I think they're going to come visit us and I'm really excited about that. But I just, I know that well, that's something that they've really missed and, and it's sad that a disability has kept them, kept them from church. Um, so yeah. I love that you, you think about the family as a whole, cause that, that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Such a big deal. Okay. Well, as we kind of start to, to wrap up, is there any, uh, thing that comes to mind, anything you've ever seen done that just stuck with you as a, a really cool or different or memorable way that you saw people making a, a great effort to be inclusive in their church? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. You know, I think that there are so many churches that come to mind that are serving families well, you know, mm-hmm. and um, they're they're getting an opportunity to invite um, individuals impacted by disability to not only be served by the church, but also get the opportunity to serve their local church. And I think that is absolutely important um, for us to consider, um, because if we're all a part of the body of Christ, right, um, then the Great Commission is for all of us, all believers that acknowledge who Christ is and, and what he did for us. And we're grafted in and adopted into the family of God. Then it's really important for us to recognize that um, each and every single believer has been given spiritual gifts. And so there are a couple individuals that come to mind. Um, I was doing a training for a local church and we were talking, uh, walking through our training pathways. And so it's like, as I said, it's a four session course. And one of the individuals that was in the room that was, uh, that was about to participate in the disability ministry, um, was actually an adult of impacted by disability that had autism. Um, and he he was able to give such unique perspective to the ministry and to the accessibility or inaccessibility of the church and its worship. Um, and so that was that was something that I thought was absolutely beautiful 
you know, if you're having a conversation as a church about disability ministry, what does it actually look like to invite those individuals into the conversation, you know, um, to, to, so that way they can participate in a way um, that is for them. And so I think that that's an important, I think a beautiful thing that I got to experience. Really? I love that, you know, that I thought was really cool. You know, I think another example of this was there was a church that I was having a conversation with and their uh, individuals that are within their ministry um, you know, every church, obviously, you know, we're believers. We love coffee on Sunday morning, right? And so this church actually invited uh, its disability ministry and then its adult uh, individuals impacted by disability to come in and they serve the coffee and the donuts every Sunday morning, which was really cool that. because what, what he was doing was every individual that walked into the doors of the church, who did they see? They saw individuals that are neurotypical and individuals without disabilities and individuals with disabilities. And I can only imagine as a parent what that would feel like walking into the walls and into the doors of the church for the first time and immediately seeing someone that looked or uh, that, that was like my child, you know, and to, um, to be able to just feel like I could take a deep breath and be like, this could be a safe place, you know? And so to be able to, to do, yeah, I think that, that that's another beautiful example of uh, um, bringing individuals and allowing them to uh, to participate within the walls of the church. And ultimately, um, that is a culture of a church that is all about uh, co contribution, contributing. Um, yeah. Every person that's within the walls of the church that professes Christ um, as Lord and Savior, well, there is a place for you here. Uh, and, uh, and we want you to look to serve, uh, to be served, and we want you to serve. And so I think that's that's ultimately what the church is meant to look like. I love that. I love um, just finding a role for everybody and, and that message that you described that somebody would see upon entering that, wow, this is an inclusive environment. Um, you know, a family like mine can, can participate here and be safe here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we are so grateful that you've spent this time with us and we are so thankful for the work you do. I know you've really um, brought some great things to light for us as a staff and some things to consider as we, you know, fully form our special needs ministry. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us about Johnny and friends or just things to consider before you leave? Yeah, you know, I would say, I, I would say two things. You know, I think from a, from a scared scriptural perspective, there are countless accounts of the Lord interacting with individuals um, and if that was a priority through the Holy Spirit for those individuals to for those stories to be in scripture then I think it has to be a priority for us you know an example of that is it in Mark 14 is a story uh, Mark 10 verse 46 or 52 is a story of Bartimaeus the blind beggar um, I would encourage the local church to read that and see what the Lord has for them in that but I think there's a lot of richness in that text uh, and then, you know, I think on the more on the fun side, you know, as an organization, um, we have developed some really cool partnerships that we're really excited mm -hmm. about um, that the Lord has just opened doors for us. And, um, out, and this is outside of our family retreats, which, you know, uh, we'll definitely provide that information so that you guys can link it in the podcast description and wonderful people can learn about what we do in terms of our family retreats, um, both uh, here in the States, but then also internationally. And then we also have a ton of work that we're doing internationally with a, a program that we call Wheels for the World. Um, and so if you're interested in volunteering, we love volunteers at Johnny and Friends. So come in, um, learn about disability ministry, but then get some hands-on experience. Um, and so there's some really cool things that you could do there. 
But then also specifically within the state of Texas, we have some really cool programs that we've been able to develop outside of our family retreat or warrior getaway that we have. Um, we actually have what we developed that's called um, a marriage getaway. And so it's a weekend experience. We have two a year, uh, I think we're adding a third one, where uh, parents, um, it's, it's $150. They can go and they get a weekend away. They have to find their own care and their own respite for their, for their children. But they can go and they can experience just like a weekend of like marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, and, and they're amongst other marriages um, that are also impacted by disability. And so it's intentional conversation that is meant to happen there and guidance and direction. And it's just a refreshing weekend that we think is really beautiful. Um, and so that's something that I, that's a resource there for families. Uh, and obviously, as I shared earlier, our, our, our family retreat is something that we do during the summer that we would love. And are always need to volunteers and families are always welcome to participate um, uh, for that we actually set aside uh, several slots for each week that we host for new families and so um, that's also really important that's a full week of familial care and respite that is really important for the individual impacted by disability for the siblings of that individual but then also for parents to come and enjoy parents can go horseback riding they can go on a date night they get to participate in an art spa it's a beautiful beautiful experience all the while their children are being cared for um so would love to invite guys uh you guys to participate in that also if you're listening to this and lastly you know we have some really cool partnerships that we've developed uh, we actually just held our first annual um uh sensory friendly morning at the state fair of texas um wow. and so uh we brought in volunteers and we um, provided uh, buddies for families that were attending the fair for the first time. And so the fair is an incredible, incredible partner. They actually had a guided itinerary for those families. So our volunteers could help act as a guide, you know, to help direct families around the state fair of Texas, which was really beautiful. It was such a cool experience. We had, um, including volunteers, over 400 people, 400 people registered wow. for the event, uh, which was absolutely beautiful. And so that was really cool. Uh, we've been able to partner with the Dow Zoo and participate here and host, uh, participate in the Sensory Friendly Morning at the zoo, uh, which was really sweet. Um, and we're looking to go a little bit deeper with that partnership, and we'll see what the Lord does there. And and then we're just scratching the surface. Um, there are so many ways to participate. We're building partnerships in Houston. We're, I just had someone reach out to me in San Antonio. We're in Austin. And so we're all over the state of Texas. And so wherever you are, if you're interested in learning more about disability ministry or participating, we have something for you. And so um, I think that, that that's definitely what I want to share. Great. Thank you again Daniel. so much, Daniel. Yeah, I'd like to say just what a great resource you are. What it is a blessing to get to hear you and to get to know you and to know about uh, Johnny and Friends. And I just have to say that your passion and enthusiasm about this topic is contagious. And it just it just gives a feeling of confidence like we can we can do this because we have someone that is willing to walk by us and to help us with serving like God intended us to serve. And wow. uh, your your passion is only rivaled by that of Tiffany. So I <laughs> just want to say that. But we just really appreciate you so much. And Tiffany, thank you for organizing this discussion yeah. with Daniel today. Well, thank, well, thank you. Y'all. Yeah, thank y'all so much. It's an absolute joy. Um, the, the, the love of Christ is definitely up in the lost church. 
that I'm excited to, that I've gotten to know you guys and I'm excited to see where the Lord takes us and, um, and how beautiful is it that we can come together and help advocate for their families. You know, ultimately my hope is that when people listen to this and they hear Tiffany and they hear this conversation that we're having well, between all three of us, that ultimately that the Lord be glorified, but then second that people would feel less alone and less fear. And so thank you for that encouragement. That really means a lot. Thank you. You're right. This has eternal implications and we are so thankful for the work you're doing. Well, thank you guys. Welcome back to the Fam Lab. That was a great conversation with Daniel Moreno. Really appreciated his insights. And we're going to take that topic and, and try to transition it a little bit to uh, our families to talk about being inclusive in our families, about raising inclusive kids, because ultimately there are a lot of things we can do from a church programming standpoint, but the church is the people. And so all of us have a role to play in, in being inclusive. So I'll send it over to Rosalind and Tiffany. What are some thoughts that you have, you know, based off this conversation about how we can raise inclusive kids? Um, I think one of the biggest things that we can do as parents is to teach our children um, to care for others, to be empathetic and compassionate. And uh, I think that that's, you know, just good practice in general, but especially when we're looking at people who are maybe different or more vulnerable, um, if we can teach our kids to put themselves in somebody else's shoes, I think it goes a long way in helping them to care for others better. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Tiffany. I think that empathy piece is really important because what that means is that not only um, are you feeling something for that person, but it's that you're putting yourself in their shoes and you're thinking about how would I feel or what, what do I think they need because I can imagine myself being in that place. So those are, you know, teaching empathy is is very important thing for us to do with our children. And um, I would also say, and we say this, and it just cannot be underscored enough that kids learn more from what we do than what we say. So I just thinking back on Daniel's conversation and just us engaging not only having conversations with our kids about people with special needs and disabilities, but us engaging people and volunteering and uh, understanding more, not being afraid to ask questions and to have conversations about the hard things. Those are the things that our kids see and hopefully will follow, as you pointed out, Tiffany, because the, these are the people that are going to be leading us and they're going to be leaders in the church. And so we want to try to uh, be examples for them. And, and I mean, kids know when we're being authentic and we're not being authentic, right? So, you know, we want to do these things in just the purest uh, way that we know how, just in, in, in a genuine way. So I think that's some practical things that we can do as parents. Yeah, you mentioned uh, questions and conversations, and I think that children are naturally curious. And I think if we just embrace that, like you mentioned, they are going to probably ask the questions. They're probably going to naturally present those opportunities for you to discuss things. And when they ask a question about why another child does something or why they look a certain way or why they might use 
um, adaptive uh, technology or some type of assistive um, device. And that's an easy opportunity just to meet them where they are, answer their questions honestly, while also pointing out that, yes, this is different, um, but there's some ways that you and this kid, you know, they're using this um, wheelchair to get around just like you get around in this way. And there's lots of ways to draw connections while also acknowledging um, the differences and ways we might need to be, um, you know, a little more uh, patient or sympathetic with somebody. So a lot of great things there, the, the willingness to have conversation, the willingness to be curious. When we think about some of those maybe practical steps that we can do at home, you know, what are some guidance that you would give to your kids maybe as they're you know, going to school as they're, you know, going to, to church that, you know, might be some good things you could remind them in the car or you could say, you know, kind of as they're, you know, going into the children's wing that, hey, these are some things to be think be thinking about as you go into class today. Yeah, I, you know, I really enjoyed that conversation we had with Daniel and I didn't remember just how much good stuff Daniel gave us when we were having that conversation. But when I, as I listened again, what really jumped out is just the reminder um, that we are all made in God's image. And I think just constantly talking to our kids about how not only are they made in the image of God, but how all people are made Mm -hmm. in God's image. And this whole thing about being blind, we talked about blind spots. And so this whole thing about being anything, being colorblind, any kind of blindness is not what we want. We want to see people. We want to see God's character and God's uniqueness that he has made all of us in because it comes from him. We're all made in his image. So just those conversations about, hey, you know, these differences are beautiful. They're not something to be, to close our eyes to and be blind. Everyone is different. Everyone has value and everyone has something that they can bring to the table when it comes to working in God's kingdom, being a part of God's kingdom and bringing others to God's kingdom. So I would say just constant reminder about the fact that everyone has value and that we need to look at people and look at their differences and see God in in everyone. Absolutely. And Matt, you mentioned, you know, those things you can say to your kids as they're about to run out the door to school or or walk into Bible class. And, you know, we mentioned that empathy is so important, but that term may be lost on a child. So I think you have to walk them through that sometimes and think, you know, tell the child, you know, oh, you know, this, this individual, they can't speak. Can you imagine what it would be like if you wanted something and you couldn't tell somebody that you couldn't use words to express that how would you feel would you be frustrated if you wanted to play with the other kids but um you know you couldn't run like other children and then getting them thinking along those lines of like oh you know I would be sad or you know that would be a hard thing to do then naturally lends itself to well you know if that's hard for them what can we do to make it easier? How could we, if we know they want to play, but they can't run, what can we do with them? How do we include somebody who does have a difference? And I think just walking them through, first acknowledging that empathy piece. Okay, how would that feel? And then what would you want someone to do for you? Uh, I think that that can prompt them to then practical 
actions and ways to include? I think those questions are, are really helpful. And I know as a dad, I, I make too many assumptions about, you know, my kid's level of processing, you know, the, the world that they're in and, and helping them, you know, develop those tools for looking at situations, I think is, is really, really important. One thing we wanted to also talk about that was mentioned in the conversation is how you know, we need to grow with the, the kids as they grow and, and that there will be uh, hopefully a place for adults in, in our community as well with, with disabilities. What are some thoughts about you know, teaching our families to be a place that uh, is welcoming to adults with disabilities? I think Roslyn hit the nail on the head when she said that our our kids pick up on what we do and our authenticity way more than the things we say. And I think leading by example and not shying away from somebody who is different or has an obvious need, um, or sometimes it's a not so obvious need, but but your children seeing that not everyone that you spend time with um, is able to do the things you do or is capable in the same ways that you are. Um, but also telling your child when you spend time with somebody maybe who's different like man you know that was that was a good experience and and drawing attention to the fact that it's a good and enjoyable and um, a loving thing to do to to include others who are who are different who might be disabled or have a special need yeah I I agree with that and we'll just add on to say that again being an example and being an ally. So even when there is no one in the room with a obvious disability to always keep people with special needs and disabilities in mind and being an advocate, thinking about perspectives, thinking about, you know, we have to do that with programming, thinking about how someone uh, with a disability or a special need can take part in whatever we're doing. And if that is not there, then being an ally and asking the questions and saying, well, what part can I play to help someone that can't access whatever we're doing? Uh, how can I help them be a part of it? So, I mean, that's something that I would say from a very early age, kids can also be allies at school, right? They can see someone that is not being treated well for any reason and can be that person that stands with them or tries to seek out their best. And, and that's what we should be doing for everyone is, is seeking their best. One thing that was mentioned in Daniel's insights about, you know, experiences with different churches and different things is there is the possibility of resistance, you know, even by people who maybe don't know that they are, you know, resisting what is, you know, something that should be celebrated and, you know, having all types of people at our church. Any tips for when you might encounter some resistance when you're trying to be an ally or an advocate? Man, I, I would just say a lot of that, Matt, is perspective. And one thing is that if you believe that we are all made in God's image, that we all have value, then every single person that walks through our, our door has some value and therefore can make a contribution to our body. And so just believing that uh, changes everything. And I think that when you run against that 
resistance is because people are thinking what they have to provide or give to a to a situation instead of wow there are some blessings there that if i resist this that i am leaving on the table because this person is made in god's image they're here and they they may have a gift we all have gifts but they may have a gift that we we don't currently have they may have something to offer this body you know that we just didn't even know we needed so I would say that resistance, you know, he talked about actually sometimes there needs to be repentance because, and I, I, I believe that's the case because if we are not uh, engaging every single um, person as uh, we're supposed to, and as part of this gospel that we're supposed to be bringing everyone in and, you know, this gospel call, if, if you don't, if you don't make room for everyone, then, then you're not fully doing it. And I think anytime you hit resistance, it's it's likely a matter of um, some practical issue, some logistical thing. Somebody has a, a misunderstanding or a concern about um, resources or manpower. I think at the heart of it, I don't think there's anyone I've come across who doesn't desire for everybody to be loved and their needs to be met. I, I don't think that that is often something you will run across. So I think um, starting with that common ground, that this is what we all desire. We all desire for everyone um, to have their needs met. We all desired for everyone to be treated in such a way that shows that they are loved and valued as an image bearer. Um, I think starting there and then just making that that desire known that we we strive to include and we strive to love people well, um, that goes a long way. And then you can follow with some of those practical things and hammering out the details of how does how does this look? What do we need to do? What programs need to be in place? Um, but I think that most often you will find that everyone's desire is for people to be loved and accommodated and included. Yes, and I, can I just piggyback on that to say Tiffany, I think a lot of times it's born out of fear and it's the fear of the unknown. Like we don't know what to do or right. we don't have the resources. And that's what I love. I'll tell you, I just this last year, I've my eyes have been open to Johnny and friends and what they offer. I just think that is fantastic that they offer this service. And I, I just, I pray that the right people will, will hear this podcast and know that they can get uh, services that don't have, like he, Daniel said, don't have any strings attached, but that just will give you practical things that you can do to make people, help people feel more welcome in our congregations. I think that's a great uh, place to end this conversation. We encourage you to check out some of those resources from uh, Johnny and friends and to just have conversations, to have conversations about how we can be more inclusive in our families and in our church uh, community. So thank you so much for joining us on The Family Lab.